Lovely to see you all again. So, um, occasionally, when I'm not wearing my collar, uh, I, people ask me, what do you do? Do you ever have that? And you kind of, you know, people ask you, what, what do you do? And um, I can't quite, I, I normally say I'm an accountant or something like that, that closed, no, I don't. Uh, I say I'm a vicar, and they say, where are you a vicar of? And I say, well, where else? Where else, where else would you want to be a vicar? Uh, I said, of top church. And uh, in Dudley, and they look at me in this really strange way, particularly if they're not from around these parts. And they look at me to say, what kind of name is that for a church? Do you, uh, and they kind of think either like, because they think I'm young. I'm not young, but they think, you know, I'm young. Uh, and they think, is it some cool name for a church? Like, are we the top church, you know? Uh, are we kind of trendy? And do we just, you know, believe? Are we as arrogant as our name suggests? And that kind of thing. And then I explained to them, no, it's a top church because we're at the top of the, the locals named it. It wasn't, it wasn't us. Um, everyone's called it top church because at the top, it could be worse. We could be the the bottom church, there is the bottom church. I mean, not the worst, but you know, they've been called the, bum, the bottom church. So, you know, we've done, we've done okay when you kind of weigh it up. But have, have you noticed that most churches are named after saints? You know, so like there's St. Francis over in Dudley. There's St. James, a very good saint, uh, I must say. There's um, uh, St. John and St. Peter and St. Mary and uh, St. Caleb. No. No, there isn't. Uh, uh, St. Cath, no, there will be. But you see, you've got all these kind of uh, churches that are named after saints. So our actual name is, I'm sure some of you know, do you know, anyone know what our actual name is? St. Thomas and St. Luke's, there you go. So we actually have our own, very own saint, and this is what the gospel reading was about. Now, um, now other churches get really cool saints, do you know what I mean, like St. Francis, you know, like he used to kind of talk to the animals and walk on water and just, you know, did amazing, absolutely amazing things, you know. We have, uh, you know, we have St. John, who's like, it was Jesus, his favorite. We get Thomas. Now, why do you think we've been landed with Thomas? I'll come on to that in a minute. The reason I think we're landed with Thomas is that I think Thomas was from Dudley. Now, you may not know that, and you may think, actually, he was from Nazareth, but I think he was from Dudley. I'll tell you why, because there's, uh, there's Jesus is getting together with all his disciples, yeah, and Jesus is constantly saying, uh, well he's not constantly saying but he says look I'm going to die and rise again I'm going to die and rise again he says it three times in Mark's gospel I'm going to die and rise again uh, but Peter says no way it's not going to happen because I'm really tough and you know there's one of me and there's a thousand Roman soldiers but I'll take them all on Jesus you're not going to die and others were like you're not going to die the Messiah doesn't die we've read the book he doesn't die and all that kind of stuff Thomas is from Dudley he's realistic and also he knows that everyone dies so he's the only one who says when Jesus goes to Jerusalem he it's tr this is true it's literally obviously <laughs> I'm not making it up but he turns around to the disciples and says well should we go to Jerusalem and die with him like he's the only one who realizes Jesus is going to die. He's a bit negative, realistic, uh, uh, you know, quite honest. He's from, I think he's from Dudley. And then, um, you know, and then everyone's saying he's risen from the dead. Everyone's saying, not everyone, but, you know, it's like, oh, I've, risen, I've seen Jesus. Yeah, he had a cup of tea with me and, yeah, I had a barbecue with him and all that kind of, I went for a ride in his van and, you know, I've seen Jesus. Uh, but Thomas is like, well, unless I see him, I ain't going to believe your nonsense. He's like, he's like proper like, I'm not falling for this, you know. So this is our, and then he has this counter with Jesus. So this is our own very own saint. We've got another one, St. Luke, which we'll do another time when it's St. Luke's 
reading or his day. But this, we were named St. Thomas, originally after Becket, St. Thomas of Becket. So it was a little bit, oh, it was a bit cheeky, I tell you what, it, because the king was like, the king didn't like Thomas of Becket. So the chap who built this castle was called, castle, also built the church called Gervais, not Ricky, another one. Uh, he built this and he called it, uh, he called it Thomas, you know, named after Becket, Thomas Becket, as a little um, signal to the king. You can imagine what sort of signal it was. Anyway, let's not get distracted by signals. So, but I want to show you this, Shane, okay? I'm going to go for a little walk because um, I can smell something down there. So, no. Uh, if you go up here, I hope the mic will hold, uh, you will, this morning we all gathered around it, but you'll notice here uh, are the Ten Commandments, just there, okay? And uh, there's the, the creed there that Caelan will now recite. And uh, there's the Lord's Prayer. So it's really interesting. So there's the commandments there, Ten Commandments, uh, the Creed and the Lord's Prayer. And the reason they're there is um, when those who were going to get confirmed in a couple of weeks, back in the day, in order to get confirmed to belong to the church, you'd have to recite all of those. Okay, so because they thought if you recited, 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 recited the Ten Commandments, you'd know how to behave properly. And uh, if you said the right prayer, you'd know how to um, um, kind of uh, believe properly. And if you said the, or the other way around, I can't remember, if you said the creed, uh, you, would you would belong, believe, and behave, or something like that. Each of them represented belonging, believing, and behaving. So you had to do all three, you had to recite them, get it right, if you get one word wrong, Bishop ain't going to confirm you. Um, things have changed now slightly. You'll be relieved to know those who are getting confirmed. Um, and then you're in. But this is the cheeky thing. Are you ready? <laughs> Might as well go back up here now. Uh, so right in the middle of the church kind of telling you you've got to do all of this to kind of you know, follow Jesus and belong to the church, someone's done a cheeky sculpture here. Sculpture's not the right word, but I can't say the right word. And in it, you have... Thomas, who we're thinking about today. And we have the words, my Lord and my God. And Thomas is looking at Jesus and the wounds of Jesus. Now, he's actually, he has lost a finger, Thomas. So if anyone's, anyone's nicked it, let me know. And then you've got the beloved disciple, who's really interesting, but we'll come on to that later, because, because he's very feminine hair, very, very feminine. And then he goes to, goes to the gym as well. So really interesting dynamic going on there. And then you've got Peter and the old boys and all the normal gang. Why is that interesting? Well, lots of reasons why, but mainly this. Because you could look at it like this. The church is saying you've got to believe and belong and behave. You've got to recite this and do this and do that. But whoever, Samuel Joseph, who did that, whacked that up there in the, probably didn't whack it, but placed it uh, in the middle and said, no, actually, it's about an encounter with Jesus. And it's about honesty and authenticity it's about being like Thompson saying, well, I can't believe unless I see it. Or I can't do it unless God does this. I can't, I can't believe it. And right at the heart, as it were, of the high altar is this encounter with the risen Christ. And it's as simple and as beautiful as that. That while we, but if you've been a Christian for a long, long time, you'll get those pressure moments where you think, oh, I've got to be that kind of person or this sort of person. I can't spit, chew or swear or I can't be like this or I can't question that or I can't have that sort of sexuality or I can't have that because that means I'm not a Christian. But what's the beautiful thing about that sculpture right at the heart says, it's not about any of those things. It's about that encounter with the risen Christ. And that's the most important thing in the heart of our church life. It isn't all the stuff around the edges sometimes, important as they are and keep us on track. It's that right at the heart. And Thomas had that encounter with the risen Christ. And as we share communion today and as we worship together, our prayer is simply that we'd keep that at our heart, the risen encounter with Christ. 
The other thing, just to point out briefly from Thomas, is really interesting, is that Jesus appears to him as the wounded healer, as the wounded healer. You know, we've thought about this before, haven't we, the resurrection, that Jesus could have appeared to Pilate. That would have been fun, waiting for him in his lounge. You know, hey, you thought I was dead, but I'm not. He could have appeared to the soldiers, could have had a little, you know, dig at them or what have you. He, he could have done all sorts of, appeared to all sorts of people who have caused him difficulty. But he appears to Thomas not as the powerful one, not as the victorious one, not as the strong one, but the wounded one. Isn't that really interesting how Jesus shows up? Isn't it fascinating? Not as a dominant figure, not as a I'm in charge, I've got it all right kind of figure, not as like, you know, I've been to the gym and everything sorted kind of figure, but this humble figure who still carries the wounds of Christ. And when Thomas sees those wounds, he experiences something of Jesus. And I just want to kind of close this little thought together, really, just thinking along those lines that the wounds of Jesus brought healing to Thomas. The wounds of Jesus brought healing to Thomas. And I want to suggest that the wounds that we get in our lives, that we pick up, whether that's through childhood, whether it's through adulthood, whether it's through some of our church experiences or our workplaces or the stresses and strains of life or difficult relationships, those wounds that we've had, Jesus knows how to change them and transform them so that they bring healing to other people. Jesus doesn't sort of like bandage everything up and make you a superhero and everything's okay now and you don't walk with a limp. Jesus almost says, I'm looking for a group of people who walk with a limp. I'm looking for wounded healers because they're the kind of people who really do, not necessarily transform the world, but transform people. Transform people, have those encounters. And what, Jesus, what Thomas experienced for Jesus, Jesus then can do with us. So if you're like me, you've got a few wounds from life, you've been along, alive longer than three minutes, you've probably got some, and uh, then actually Jesus can use them. Jesus can use them to bring healing to others. It doesn't exclude God using you by any means. It's about that encounter and then being a wounded healer. The last but not least, here's, the, here's, a, here's a little thing, I won't go into too many details, but um, you, know when you, do you, ever, you know when you watch Netflix or Prime or iPlayer or whatever you, whatever you watch, and um, you finish a really good series, and then like, you want to know what happens next, and they don't release another season. Isn't that, isn't that most really, really annoying thing? So, so it's a bit like that with the 12 disciples, yeah? So, so you, you find out a little bit about them, but they don't release another book. So you don't quite know what happens to them next. But there are rumors, and one rumor of Thomas is this, that Thomas, who was considered the doubter or the confessor, um, went on to India. There you go. And there's a church in India that actually uh, um, traces its origin back to, to Thomas. So he goes from there, has a vision of Jesus, and goes to India and shares the, the gospel of, of Jesus there. Now the reason I mention that is this, is that it's simply that from our encounters with Christ and from him using our wounds to bring healing to others, God's got something for us all. It may not be India. It may be better than that. Maybe Dudley, uh, you know. But but whatever it is, God's got something for all of us. Whether it's just caring for those around us, our family, our friends. Whether it's just looking after the little bit of the world we've got, you know, which might not think is much, but it's God's and it's special and it means something to us. You know, whatever God has put in front of us, that's the place that God wants us to be, and He's going to use us. We go from that encounter from our wounds being a source not of a curse but a blessing to others and from that he uses us to do other stuff it's a wonderful story thomas and i'm glad we're named after a good saint 
like Thomas. Shall we pray together before we share communion? Loving God, we, we thank you for um, whoever named this church or St. Thomas and St. Luke, but we thank you particularly today for St. Thomas and actually the example and inspiration and reassurance he is to us. We thank you so much that through Christ's wounds he was healed and through our wounds others can experience your healing. And we simply pray that we'd continue to encounter you through the bread and the wine that we now share. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.